on the Gravity Now podcast this week, I am pleased to be joined by Donkyu. We've been going around speaking to all of the like lunatic community, a lot of the core lunatic community, seeing what they've been up to, seeing how they've rebuilt or what they've been building since the fateful month, uh, as I did with both Sefi and uh, Midas. I don't want to dwell too much on the craft itself because I feel like we covered that uh, at length at this point. Um, but regardless, Doc, you so thank you so much for coming on the Gravity Out podcast this week. Yeah, the pleasure is on my side. Thank you for the invitation. And I'm looking forward to listen to the other podcast that you recorded with the other guys you just mentioned. Yeah, as you also said, it has been partly painful uh, weeks or months. It's crazy that it's almost half a year ago. It still feels partly like yesterday and like 10 years ago. It's somewhere in between. I don't know if it's the same for you. <laughs> yeah, it's just been so weird. It, it's it's like, I feel like that month almost just didn't happen for me at this point. I, I don't think I have too many memories of it. I think I just shut off my phone and, <laughs> and went away for a little bit. But anyhow, I mean, it, but things have been on the up since then for, for I think, a lot of people, which from those I've spoken to and the projects I've spoken to, which is always great to hear. Um, I guess just before we get into it, speak a little bit about your background, you know, where you came from in the space, how you got into this point in the space, and then also just give people an overview of what you're up to these days, what you're looking at, uh, and how you have shifted a little bit since that fateful month of March. Yeah, happy to do so. I mean, uh, my background is something completely different. Uh, I'm an industrial engineer, bachelor and master's. I've never had anything to do with crypto. Just had to start to gamble a little bit around, let's say, in 17 and then 18 when I just bought a little bit of Bitcoin back then, but I didn't understand it. I didn't took the time. It's just like friends saying, hey, that's something interesting. It goes up in price. And I said, OK, let me try and I can remember quite vividly um, how I tried to buy my first Bitcoin. It was like a pain because back then in 17, the infrastructure was not uh, given at all. And I mean, we forgot so quickly how far we have come during the way. So I went back to my normal uh, day job as had nothing to do with um, crypto or finance at all. And then at the end of 2020, my brother said, hey, you need to look into Bitcoin and all this kind of stuff. Uh, really exciting. Take a look at my portfolio. It's going up. <laughs> Uh, around Christmas, right? And um, he said, because he know that I'm not a big fan of trading or speculating at all, uh, which is maybe funny or contradicting people would say being in crypto. But I, from the beginning, just uh, thought that it's truly interesting. And he said, have a look, you'll probably enjoy it. And that was true, right? End of 2020, a lot of big podcasts that I'm following also, like um, on the one side, Lex Friedman, which were not talking about crypto before, got interested into this, started to talk to really the important people in the space. And I said, yeah, let me try to understand it. And then I understood for the first time what Bitcoin and the blockchain truly is. And then I was kind of blown away, kind of, how couldn't I have understood it before, right? It's like, this is truly beautiful. And this decentralization and bringing people together for the first time without a third person, right? So truly fascinating and then I went into this it was in the middle of the bull run beginning of 2021 and I started to understand more the topic of DeFi went deeper and deeper and then I also basically discovered Terra which uh, was for me from the first moment super interesting because I said okay we have Bitcoin I myself understand it as kind of the new money that we need for the whole world not controlled by any entity but it's a problem to explain my mother why her money is just half of the value tomorrow or maybe double the value in two days right. if she wants to buy something in a grocery store. So I looked into stablecoins and then I found the Terra ecosystem, which I thought was fascinating because it was recreating more or less uh, the financial system that we had out there with the federal bank, which was able to basically create money. But you had now a decentralized way to create money and it gave us into our hands, right? So I thought that's interesting. So I was watching all those Coin Bureau videos, right, on YouTube, which I'm a big fan of. He's doing an amazing stuff. And then, yeah, I discovered Terra and um, I started to dig deeper, created my Twitter account back then. Nobody knew me. <laughs> and then in June, July, uh, Mirror Protocol version 2 started. And um, yeah, I created a flowchart for that on Twitter. It got some buzz. People asked me if I could do a video. I created my YouTube channel based on that because uh, I was asked to explain my flowchart. And now I'm here, right? That's when I created my YouTube channel almost by accident and then started to cover primarily the Terra ecosystem just because I got very quickly connected to all the founders. It was so easy. It was for me unreal, right? To talk to all those people which were superstars and still are for me. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> and then I went into the whole Cosmos space other DeFi ecosystem and that's how my journey in 2021 started. 
Yeah, it's it's been a it's that's a crazy ride, and you know, especially with something like the old Terra, right? Like I was running a very small podcast, but yet back in the back in the old one, not this one, but it was just like it was just so easy to get access to so many founders, regardless of how large or small the project was. Uh, and everyone was always just so happy to sit down and to speak with you about what they're building. And I thought that was the coolest thing because it would just be a Twitter DM like, hey, you're free for like a one hour chat on this date. And be like, sure. Like, okay, that, that that was super simple. You don't even know who I am. Like, you, I could be some random guy. Like, I could be crazy, and you're just gonna accept a conversation with me. Which, once again, it was it was a really cool experience, and and I had definitely that same sort of vibe that you got with the mirror protocol, with just putting out something on Twitter, and then people just immediately being interested, and saying, "Hey, like, I want to see further information about this." I'm curious, actually. Also, um, have you seen the the eight hour interview Lex Friedman just did? I think it was Balaji he had it with. Not yet. So I've heard people talking about it and it appears in my uh, feed because I like to listen to Lex a lot because it is also so long. It gives me time when I go for a walk or just, I don't know, need to do the dishes, whatever. <laughs> so I haven't yet. So if you recommend it to me, I for sure need to do it this weekend. I haven't. I personally, I've seen some of the clips as well, but I, like, I looked down like eight hours. <laughs> um, I've seen like, I've seen some, some you know positive takeaways, some negative takeaways, some criticisms of some of the stuff Blasi had to say about the space and, and some of the things he probably could have explained better. But overall, I mean, it's, it's just nuts that, <laughs> that he's putting out an eight-hour conversation. And then a lot of it was centered around you know, decentralization or decentralized networks and what that actually means and, and blockchain and, and really getting to some of the root core of some of the, the issues and, and, and pros and cons of, of the entire space. But anyways, let's speak more about Cosmos um, and what you've been up to with the general Cosmos world. Uh, I guess, you know, explain that transformation going from what was the old Terra network into broader Cosmos? Because I feel like that whole event that happened back in May really opened people's eyes to saying something else is going on here that's very interesting and very, it was like just a very close cousin of what was going on with the old Terra chain and the new Terra chain too. Um, and, you know, some of the things you're looking at, what you're interested in, and I guess I guess the, the crux of this question is why Cosmos? Um yeah, it's an, I mean, for me, it's something like I have been playing around uh, with the different Cosmos DApp chains for a longer time, right? I think I started to cover Osmosis just a few weeks after they went live, right? That That's when I also got in touch for the first time using the Kepler wallet. Uh, but to be honest, the biggest problem always of Cosmos was that, and it's still uh, real if we're honest about this, is that there is nothing to do <laughs> in terms of uh, there's a lot of infrastructure that's built. There is a lot of thought put into different pieces, which I think is great. But in terms of protocols that are live on those different app chains, it's still very thin, which I don't think is a problem. But that was always kind of why Terra was so special, because Terra was also part of the Cosmos family from the beginning. It was built on the Cosmos SDK, but it was way quicker than anything else. Right. So it basically created an own ecosystem, which was way bigger in a short time than any other Cosmos ecosystem or the Cosmos as a whole. Right. So I think that's why it had always let's say, a questionable relation to each other. <laughs> While Terra should have been one chain as every other chain, Osmosis, Fmos, Juno, whatever, it basically was Terra and next to it was Cosmos, right? Which was maybe a little bit negative connotated. That's how I understood it uh, from the beginning. So you had people like Cryptocito, which were doing great content about Cosmos, but not really touching Terra, right? Uh, so that was something always a little bit uh, different. And I think the Terra explosion, what it did, and I think a lot of founders said this also, like Sunny, big shout out to him, he's an amazing guy, one of the founders of Osmosis. He said that while it was for sure one of the most negative effects or events that you can, for sure not only in crypto, even in the broader finance world, you could say, right? And it's crazy what happened there. It also helped to at least sparkle and bring a lot of teams into the Cosmos ecosystem and think about creating an own app chain and maybe even thinking about getting something bigger out there, right? And only just only being a protocol to now being in a whole ecosystem like Kojira is trying to do now with their app chain, like Mars is trying to build now with their own app chain thesis and others at the same time, right? So from this more competitive way forward of, hey, we are Terra and hey, there is Cosmos. Now there is only Cosmos and a lot of, let's say, build builders and teams and intelligent was put into the Cosmos ecosystem, which I think is uh, appreciated now a lot by everybody who has been in Cosmos before, because the drive that everybody in Terra had um, was unrivaled and is still, I think, unrivaled because that's what a lot of people 
always tell me also it's like what the heck should i do now it was so exciting back then on terra every day you had like a new d app you could do something new there was prison coming out i had to understand how to split tokens and then where could i use it maybe i can use it in the future and anchor whatever that's right now not the case in the whole cosmos space which is also a bit difficult for me as a content creator but because it's like what should i show there is not yet so much to show but i'm looking forward that there is a lot coming also after cosmoverse listening to all those people. There is a lot building and I have a lot of confident, uh, confidence in a lot of people. But yeah, there is yet not so much life, which, yeah, it is what it is. I feel like it was almost a contentious relationship back in the day between Terra and Cosmos people because everyone on Terra, especially so like me personally, I went into Terra because I was doing some stuff with, see, earlier with, with like looking at central bank digital currency, looking at digital money back in the day. Um, and that kind of brought me down the broader rabbit hole. And I came into Ethereum and I was dealing with things like MetaMask and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. This is cool. Uh, I really didn't like MetaMask. I really didn't like the interfaces. I mean, I hated the gas fees, obviously. I didn't enjoy spending uh, $100 plus on some simple swap. And so it naturally, just through my various interests of decentralization and, and Bitcoin and all that, that brought me to Terra. Um, also just searching for intuitive ui and a user experience that wouldn't make me pull my hair out every time i tried to do something it was it was just so easy it was just so easy the old terra chain and and i think that's almost as if like it was like a barrier that <laughs> it didn't quite get me into the broader cosmos world and i think you know the kepler guys have done a pretty good job at um getting rid of some of the headaches that exist with some of the the current crypto wallet infrastructure but anyways, it was definitely like it was almost as if there was a niche community in Cosmos and they were very, I don't want to say closed, but they were a little bit closed to some of the lunatics. And the lunatics were pretty closed to the Cosmos people and there wasn't as much crossover as I think there should have been. And then the blow up happened. And then all of a sudden you have this this great boom of people staying on Terra Classic or they're going to the new Terra chain or they're launching their own app chain in, in the case like Kujira and Shout out to the Kajira guys and go check out my interview with Dove if you haven't already. Going to plug that real quick. Um, so it's like you've seen all of this really cool innovation all of a sudden just take place. And people are like, okay, I'm excited. I want to get out there. I want to do something. Uh, and which, which is obviously what the entire space needs because eventually someone's going to come up with the golden formula that just takes this thing to the next level. And I think the modular blockchain thesis and having you know app chains is a very interesting idea and something that is going to challenge what's going on currently with with the ethereum network which i, I think you know me personally as much of a, an ethereum fan as i was like, i think it's in a little bit of trouble not gonna lie um regardless it's just it is great to see people like yourself get act, involved in the active community and really have broken down these barriers since then um and just looking at the cosmos thesis and maybe just some of the broader things like i know you've been very involved with the kajira guys i know you've been involved in some other chains as well running your own validators if you mind just going into some of that experience as well, what you're seeing with some of these communities, do you get a lot of the same vibes as you did with some of the old Terra crew? Maybe some of your experience going on right now with that with that entire side of things. Yeah, I think maybe we can break it down into face-to-face uh, -face experiences, which I now had two times in Prague uh, in May this year, and then just a few weeks back in Medellin during Cosmoverse. Again, shout out to all the organizer teams, which is the Friends Validator and also Cryptocito, who's running his own YouTube channel. They did an amazing job there. Mm -hmm. And um, being in those kind of events, it still feels like um, it's still small. But everybody is so nice, right? And open to talk to you. What you mentioned earlier, kind of, you can approach the founders. That's still the case in Cosmos, right? Everybody is open. Everybody takes the time. And everybody's interested to listen to you, right? And if you have any kind of feedback, they try to take the time. That's what, what I see. At the same time, it's very nerdy, right? And uh, very special and closed by itself and very technical, which is the problem. That's why it's not so retail or mainstream friendly, right? You don't have kind of the big shillas here around and just saying this is the next thousand x coin which i think is good and important because it just needs time to grow and now during this bear market more and more people shift their attention to those kind of solid projects and it gets the recognition but of course it's right now the bear market and that's my second point it's like 
I experienced, as a lot of us, Terra during an amazing bull market, where specifically Terra had, let's say, a late autumn additional bull market, uh, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the all-time high was just in April this year, which is uh, crazy. Um, and I think it's difficult to compare now any kind of community, be it on Twitter or on Discord, in a bear market than to a bull, because everything is way quieter. There's not so much happening in general. Just really the hardcore people are around. They are anyway connected over Telegram or know each other. So they just talk immediately. They don't use the public channels that much like on Discord. So I think it's difficult to make a direct comparison. You know what I mean? Uh, but in general, everybody is open-minded, uh, super cool people, impressive, right? Uh, truly chats, as they say, or giga brains, whatever you want to call them. Uh, super cool. Everybody who is involved in a contributor in the Cosmos Hub, Uh, be it Ethan Buckman, Ethan Frey, um, you name them, Zaki Mannion, uh, Sunny, which I mentioned earlier. Those are amazing people, super dedicated. They don't care about the money. They truly want to innovate and take the next step. And that's, I think, so important. That's why nobody needs to uh, think about, oh, what is happening right now? Prices are down. Those people don't care. They just go straight ahead forward and try to truly innovate and develop. Yeah, and it's great to see people like actually... I would say things like the Kujira community or even the Stargaze community are just so excited about what's happening there and they're being so engaged with other people. I'm sure there's others out there as well. I'm not, I'm not just, I'm just the two I tend to see the most these days um, on my Twitter feed. So people are definitely excited about some of these things, even if it is a bear market. You know, I, I still think there's, there's a lot of just bubbling up in, in the Cosmos world right now. And as you mentioned, it's a little bit like technical. It's very much buildery centered right now but that's fine i mean because people as, as people continue to build things that'll bring on the great wave of adoption um and i i am really excited for cosmos in general when things pick up again uh what what it could look like <clears throat> for the broader space uh and what this means for for modular blockchains i think to see this thesis play out on full power and and full enthusiasm will be a really uh, interesting experience and exciting. I also want to ask you about Cosmoverse a little bit more specifically, I guess, just given a rundown of your experience, some highlights, maybe some takeaways, any crazy stories as there might always be with some of these crypto, uh, crypto conventions, just give me the rundown. Um, I mean, in general, first of all, when I heard Medellin, I said, why, right? In terms of, <laughs> oh my God, right? Will I get kidnapped? Uh, is it safe there? Yes or no? And I know that a lot of people um, had the same thoughts. And right now, uh, East Bogota, people were asking the same questions, right? Can we even go there? And it also makes no sense because how can you put openly a bunch of crypto dudes, which, you know, have probably a ton of money <laughs> into one room, Uh, in probably South America, which is questionable still, right? It's not comparable to Europe, but I need to be honest, it's nothing close to what I've expected. And maybe it's because I was in a part of Medellin where it's, let's say, very European, American, um, or how, how can you say it? It's a civilized word as we know, which is also a letdown for me because there was no difference for me in kind of being at home at, in Spain with my grandparents uh, speaking Spanish or now in Medellin. There was basically no difference. You you have the same food, you have the same stuff, you have the internet where you anyway connect to your own news, friends, bubbles, whatever. So the hotel was amazing. So, so much about that. If somebody wants to go to Medellin, go there. Um, it's amazing. Great food, great people. Um, and at least safe, I would say, in general, mm -hmm. right? And I haven't seen much from Medellin because we were all day in that hotel <laughs> and then um, focused around uh, the conference itself, which was great uh, because you had at the first day 800 people together in there listening to all the different panels. And I had the great pleasure to be there on one of the first panels on the first day about interchain security with Billy Rennerkamp and also uh, GN Trambeck, which was super cool for me, right? So again, shout out to the guys that let me just... Um, have that experience there, which is truly cool. And it shows that we are growing because last year, I think 5th of November was the first Cosmoverse. That was small. That was truly small. It was just like some friends meeting up. That's hmm. my feeling. It was still professional, but no comparison to what you saw right now. Medellin, which was three times the size during a bear market um, than the first time, which I think is uh, good news. And then um, kind of special stuff. I mean, all the side parties and events, I think were super cool. Um, you can uh, do great parties in Medellin in general. Any stories? I really don't know. I mean, I myself, uh, last day I went to Guatape. 
which is an amazing, you can Google it, right? It looks amazing. It's like a few lakes next to each other with a very special stone. I cannot even describe it. You truly need to go on Google and check it out. And um, everything is so cheap in Colombia and Medellin, right? So um, that sounds now maybe like uh, big money stuff, but no, like 400 bucks. I had my first helicopter flight in my life. We went there, which was two hours away from Medellin. I did some uh, jet skiing for the first time also in my life. We had good food. So if somebody goes to Colombia, you need to go to Guatapé. It's a big recommendation from my side. And I said, in Colombia, everything is very, very cheap if you come from Europe, right? It's no comparison. Uber, one or two bucks maximum, everywhere you want to go, almost, right? So that's the big difference in general uh, to Medellin. Um, and I think it was a success, a big, big success. While after the first day, you have a feeling, because it was the second and the third day, and I think they want to change it in the future to not have three days, like 12 hours of presentation, way too much. So the first day was completely filled with people, 800 people, and the second and third day, like 20 or 50 or whatever, truly sitting there listening to the presentation, which is a bummer for everybody presenting. The presentations uh, were amazing, right? All the speakers know I watched a lot later on on YouTube. Um, but I think they will reduce that one. And you had the feeling that only the ones with the projects were still there on the second and on the third day, which again was not a bad thing because every five meters you could talk to somebody else and hey, you're from that project and you're from that project and let's talk quickly and let's exchange. Amazing. And everybody takes the time. Uh, so it was feeling more like a developers conference in <laughs> the second and the third day. But it's still great to see the growth there. And as you mentioned, they had their first conference and it was basically a handful of people, still professional, but pretty small and low key. All of a sudden they have a conference in Medellin uh, <laughs> in the middle of a crypto bear market and it pops off. I mean, people are interested, people are active and people are going there. So builders are attending. I spoke to Sam B from local and he's local and he's also local, no pun intended. And he's like, yeah, I just, I just hopped out of my, my bed and I was there at the conference. <laughs> and it's like, and he's like, it was, and it was amazing. Uh, and there's tons of people there and just tons of things to do and, and lots of excitement. And, and overall there was enthusiasm, which I think is another important aspect. I wish I could have attended, but um, it did seem like a, a really cool event and, and in a very unique area of the world as well. And as you mentioned, like so much, so many interesting things in that, in that area, in that, in that continent of, of South America that I do hope to get there one day because it, it, it does look awesome. You should go there. But the next time is, seems to be, I don't want to give too much away, but I heard the rumors that it will be again, very close. If not, you could say Europe which maybe gives away something um, already. And I'm happy because traveling to South America <laughs> from Germany here over Madrid, Munich, Madrid, and then Medellin backwards, it's like, damn, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're crossing the Atlantic. That's got to be like an, that's, I'd, I'd predict it like a 10-hour flight. 14. 14. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it was, was it 14 the whole travel? No, I think I was traveling 16 hours. I a long time, maybe. Ten, yeah, I think you're right. It's 10 hours, then two hours of a stop in, in Madrid and then two hours to Munich um, again. But the problem is the time change, right? Uh, and it's not if you go there, that's great. But if you go back, right? I, um, I departed at eight at night on Saturday and I arrived in Munich at nine at night on Sunday, right? Because you are going yeah. with the time, which is right. uh, a big problem. Yeah, and I mean that that, that can be pretty brutal. <laughs> that can be pretty brutal. I mean that's gonna that's gonna zap you for at least a few days after the fact. Uh, maybe you're longer. Be, yeah, I'm maybe probably maybe a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that. Like it just it messed with you. But once again, like I think it's really cool that held it in, in Medellin. Um, and I I would love to visit there in the world. But yeah, if it is in Europe, I haven't been to Europe yet, so I'm gonna have to get there soon. And if it's going to be for the Cosmoverse, I will be, uh, I'll be excited is how I'll put it. I'll be excited. Um, just broadening out a bit about our topics in chat right now. What in general have you been, you know, keeping an interesting interest on following your scope of focus since then? Like what are the big things that are really going to be driving this next wave potentially of crypto adoption, or at least from the builders that you've spoken to, what is, what is like an interesting focus or theme or narrative that people are, are, Take, keeping an eye on and then incorporating their projects and potentially being you know one of the big catalysts into the next wave of of bull mania yeah i think um you could say that there are three pieces out there at least in my opinion more or less or narratives that could also be shaping up um first of all is uh nfts becoming mainstream 
and not, let's say, so speculative. We just saw it yesterday, I think, when people were talking about everything which is happening on Reddit, right? Because people mm. got granted their own NFTs on Polygon and uh, out of nothing, they made a ton of money and they got interested. And now it's called uh, digital collectibles, I think, which I always thought it made sense for me, even more like digital items. That's the next step, but you probably need more of a use case to call them truly items. So right now you can just collect them. But that's the right step. And you see Starbucks also on Polygon. I think Disney or Marvel have also collaboration with Polygon. They have a great BD team in general and doing a lot of stuff correct. So I think the next step is to make it normal to interact on a daily basis and not having in mind that you always want to make money with something. There was always my feedback to the NFT community. That's why I'm probably partly also within the terror space hated in the NFT space because I said like, I don't see the benefit here of that you're trying to sell me art while you don't care. And once the value goes down, you don't care literally about the art anymore. Uh, or on the other side, community, it's like great that you created a golf club, gated community of 10,000 people. If you want to scale, that's probably not possible long-term and you need to create them more of those items. That's why I never understood kind of that limit. And right now, Reddit shows it. They create millions of items and people can just interact. They need to get used to it. And then they experience ownership for the first time and they get used to that also items online have true value, not only the item that they're holding right now in their head. I think that's step number one. NFTs becoming uh, mainstream while well, not being called NFTs anymore because NFTs, the name is already gone. It's too late. It's gone. It's yeah, gone. it's definitely gone. It, it is uh, a problem. And it's funny because a lot of NFT people themselves are now saying, oh, so yeah, it's not only about the ad. Oh, it's not only about, and we need use case. Oh, zero um, kind of royalty fees destroys the market. Yeah, because you were only in for the money. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I have been very vocal about this and I still am if we want to make this happen. Number one. Uh, then number two, gaming, uh, which maybe uh, is very close to the NFT topic itself, but I think there is more. Uh, there are amazing projects, which right now nobody is talking about, like NOR, uh, where people truly think about, you know, it's not only about creating a token and bringing it out there and making money. It's more like, you need a game and the game needs to make fun, right? I'm a big gamer myself, looking forward to God of War in a few days and playing the shit out of that. I need to hold myself back because I don't want to <laughs> go through the game in two days or a weekend, uh, whatever. But the game needs to make fun. And then you can have an economy separately. And right now we have game economies like FIFA Ultimate Team. I've put so much money for years in there. Don't, You're don't a soccer fan, you probably know yourself. What if we switch it and you can also earn while you invest into something because you sell the cards for true money, whatever. Uh, and the question is, do you need NFTs or tokens? No, you just need a marketplace where you can off-ramp money. And their crypto is amazing for. So NFT number one, whatever we call it, gaming number two. And number three is... I don't know if I want to openly say it here too much, but we see that the world is going into maybe a wrong direction in a lot of countries, um, that you have the topic right now of CBDCs in UK. We know that in China, there are a lot of question marks. We had just yesterday the topic of TikTok uh, not being allowed anymore in the US, whatever. I haven't even really followed. So true DeFi, that people have ownership about their money is maybe the other case because they get restricted in their own country. Uh, and mm -hmm. if we do it right, projects like local money on Kujira, being able to P2P on an off-ramp, that can help because people get ownership about their own, well, assets, whatever that might be. So those are maybe three topics that can shape up over the next weeks and months and help us to truly get more interested into crypto again and understanding of that this is a true use case. I'm going to shamelessly plug Lunar Assistant right now. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you're if, like, if NFT communities are looking for this aspect of, you know, how do we bring utility to this? Like, what makes this interesting? I think in many ways, like, the nft projects that launched were effectively just social clubs um i don't know why some of the large prices were attached if the social club like wasn't a big social club um but if if it was a massive thing like bayc or galactic punks per se that's, that's more of a terror example um obviously like it, it, that i think i think in many ways like galactic punks was really warranting their price in some ways because you know we, they built it on on they also used lunar systems to gate it as well um but basically you saw like these communities coming out there they had sub communities building out there there are tons of enthusiastic people it was a professional network effectively and it was also a clout thing let's be honest like you had a punk you're like yeah <laughs> i'm a punk holder um and that's cool i, I and I, I like that same thing with things like galactic bowls and all the other uh, larger um terra nft projects and i i do i do appreciate some of the stuff they did there and 
Um, but uh, you know, I also I do not like it when I see another NFT project that is just another PFP project, and it's like, okay, but what else? Um, you know, in, in Gravity Dow's case, we have the Gravity Cats, and that's a a poker community, and they play lots of poker, and they're all they love that. And we do some special events on the side for them as well. So like, we not only have the the fact that you can have it's a, a cool looking profile photo but you can also go a few steps forward okay we now have a we have a treasury for poker and then we also gate it with lunar assistant and then we also have other events on the side for you guys so like it's it's just like does that warrant you know uh the speculation of hundreds of thousands of dollars on on a jpeg probably not but each is to their own <laughs> if, if you want to go out there and do that please go ahead yeah, no, it's just like, let me quickly jump in there. And you, the plaque that you put earlier is um, very important because you were an important piece of the whole Terra ecosystem for NFT specifically, right? I mean, I always, when I went into Discord, uh, connected my stuff there directly so that I can also prove ownership, which was super cool. And I think ahead of the time of a lot of other ecosystems that didn't have it, so really great work. I can just tell you that, I mean, I had hours of heated discussions with people like karma shout out to her if she's listening to this which is doing a great job in the space and trying to help uh and even in person because we met then in barcelona for the avalanche conference and we we almost kind of went into a boxing fight whatever right because it, it was really heated discussions because i was always like i think there is art out there and there is kind of the need to maybe give some artists back with nfts which is a great opportunity right but I always hated the fact that somebody said that it's because of the art, but it's just because of speculation, right? Which is not a problem because, as you said, it can be a membership. But if it's a membership, who cares about the art? Nobody, because it's just a token that expresses your membership. And uh, I think the bear market helps right now to develop <laughs> this understanding right now. It can be both. Why doesn't a membership can have like a cool art on it. I think that's not a problem. But as you said, kind of, how do you even express the price point? Because if it's a membership, you're expressing basically what it's value to be a member of this. And that's why uh, I had a tweet. I can remember that quite vividly, which I was surprised that it was taken positively. I said, Galactic Punks and Luna Boots, they're just classic Web3 project that try that funded their own treasury by selling an NFT instead of an own token, which they could have done as well. Right, but nobody would have cared <laughs> in that moment. So, but then you cannot say that because of security and US, you know. But, but okay, right. <laughs> that's a different topic. Right. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that because the SEC is going to come from be knocking my door in ten seconds. I'm joking. But, <laughs> but, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. So just wanted to quickly add that. No, no, it's fine. And and I mean, you know, I I do. I'll play a little bit devil advocates there, devil's advocate there, and like th there's some identity aspect to this as well. I mean, people identify with the the punk then like for example if i was smart enough to mint a punk which i should have when i knew about it and i don't and i still kick myself to this day for not doing that back in the day probably wouldn't have mattered as much now but regardless like it's still a cool community and all that but um, people misunderstand me right it's not like that i'm not a fan <laughs> there you go the there stuff, right? <laughs> he was like i mean it's a podcast right nobody can see that can but, you show uh, us off a little bit more i, I only got a quick look at those that's oh, yeah, really so cool this, right i who was it? Ah, one of the Terra guys helped me to design it, like specially, kind of to have the name and all the color schemes on there of my Galactic Punk and and one of my Luna Bulls, uh, right? But like, there's definitely the identity aspect as well, and it's 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 weird. It's it's a bit strange. You know, we're still trying to figure out, like, can you commodify your own virtual identity into some tradable photo? Um, like, if I minted a Galactic Punk, I probably would have just kept it. I probably would never have sold it because it's really cool. Unless I had, like, 10 of them. And then maybe I'll sell the 9 of them. But, like, the one I have identified the most with, maybe that'll just be my perpetual uh, profile for, for the rest of my crypto Twitter lifespan or whatever. Um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting debate there. And we, we've now been venturing a little bit more to speaking to Polygon Gaming projects, for example, because we see a great product market fit for something like Lunar Assistant and Polygon Gaming. We're also on Polygon. We're multi-chain now. Cool. Um, and just speaking to them, like, yeah, as you mentioned, they're not calling themselves NFTs in some cases. They're calling themselves like digital art or digital collectibles or like digital items uh, and things that you can resale. You do have a crypto wallet. And we'll see, actually, because I just saw Apple change their terms of services yesterday. And I know that's going to affect some things. I, I think the, the yesterday when this was being recorded for people who are listening to this but it's like there's something going on here and people have value and like you look at fifa ultimate team and i, I could go on rants about days for that 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 game which i have poured way too much time of, of my life into and way way more money than i'd ever like to admit into it um 
total disaster of a game in my opinion like i i, I don't want to talk about it because it's like it's basically like inspired like childhood gambling <laughs> i'm like it, it's crazy but like imagine if you could actually take ownership of that and instead of it constantly being extracted money 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 give us more money for this special you know 10th special ronaldo that we're going to put out um it's like okay i can actually own this thing and maybe sell it for some real money and i, th- I think people like adopted like a black market and like they're selling like the coins and the player like it's not a good it's not a good system like that and uh we've seen games people a lot of gamers are crit- critiquing it saying like i don't want to commodify gaming i don't want this stuff in gaming i think gaming's better without nfts i think gaming's better without these economies but it's like I'd say they're ninety eight percent of the way there already. Like it, it's it's not even, and it's it's just a closed system. It's not even like it's benefiting you. So I don't know really what you're trying to defend at this point, um, because it's like it, it's not it's not going to help you. You're not getting any value out of these games in some ways. And obviously, we still have to figure out like yes, gameplay first, then actual NFT. And I think a lot of people are not recognizing this, especially the game studios who are trying to integrate. And some of them are saying like. We'll have an option where you don't even have to ever deal with NFTs if you don't want to. It's just for the hardcore players or the play- people who are really interested in that sort of thing. So I'm bullish on that. Yeah, and I mean, it goes the next level in kind of they don't even need to be interested or understand that it's NFTs, as you said, if they decide to, right? So I'm right mm-hmm. now collecting uh, FIFA plus collectible, whatever. So it's like NBA Top Short for FIFA. Um, and um, I have a normal account. I log in, it says minting, I can check it on the blockchain, but I officially don't even have a wallet that I need to collect. It's right, uh, connect. It's right now an Algorand, but it works completely without that. I'm even asking myself, can I now tell them this is my wallet, please transfer it over or kind of how can I get access to that wallet? So that's another question mark, but it's like, if you wouldn't have told me that this is on chain and I would not know it myself how to check it, no clue, right? And there is no downside for me to just have it on chain recorded correctly. Um, yeah, but the problem is that NFTs was all about speculation. Uh, it was those crazy prices where also big YouTubers or personalities paid like 10 million and now it's worth $10. We know those examples. And it's like, why did you do that in the first place? And that is what where the problem came from, right? That people started to hate NFTs because if they miss something, and they get a feeling that they were not included, then they don't like it because mm-hmm. they don't understand it. But there is so much to enable. And as you said, FIFA Ultimate Team is the perfect example of how an NFT game can look like, right? You have collectibles anyway. They do something. They have true value, right? And they can be limited as they are also anyway limited. So just create them on chain and give people something. Because right now, I don't think that I can open my FIFA. When was the first Ultimate Team? 2008? Because I'm a... I think it was 10 when I paid for it back in 2010. You had to like buy it as an add-on. 20 bucks, I think it was back yeah. then. Yeah, I, I also have still the tag off that I'm one of the founders and you have it too. Um, and I'm proud of that. So that could have been an NFT uh, batch or a POAP, whatever, right, that you mm-hmm. have with you. And I don't think that I can now boot FIFA 2008 and still see my cards. I guess the servers are down. But it would be amazing for me to be able to check my team. Right to still have it as an NFT, maybe, and that card is maybe granting me some powers right now in the new games. Which anyway, you get like started into a higher league if you have been playing the year before. Uh, so this kind of stuff. So people just need to get there. They will get there, and it's cool that you're in contact with the Polygon guys because they are super good at BD. So stay close to them. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is cool to see that. And like even like when you think about it too, like it's like a FIFA. You know, if you had just a transparent on-chain thing, like I would love to see what other people's teams looks like. Look like incredibly easily. Like just type in a wallet address and maybe even they have like a name server so it's simple super simple or like you can see how many of x player exists or what how many y player exists and what what the ecosystem what the economy actually looks like from a macro scale and that i think that would be incredible um as as nerdy as that just sounded um i i really i really think it'd be cool to do something like that and i, I once again i think they're 98 percent of the way there and yeah um it, it'll be it'll be amazing and also, I lost my founder card long, long ago. So really, I, I did. I didn't play. I, I skipped a few editions. Man, I, I I couldn't take FIFA. It was just like it was making me so angry. It, the game was also. It's been downhill since 2014. That's my other hot take for today. Um, we can. <laughs> I agree. I, yes. I think the last time I played, I mean, I I have been a hardcore FIFA player my whole life. I from FIFA 98 on. I had them all always I had to have them a day before right so kind of my mom has to go and uh, buy the stuff back then um and then I mean you get older the young guys are way too good for you and you hate it that you don't win anymore 10-0 
Uh, so I understand that. So I think my last true FIFA game was maybe 14 also, 13, 14, yeah. I think around that time. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that was the end of the glory days. Cause I, I, I don't know. I haven't had quite the same experience since. I haven't checked out the new one, though. Have you played it? I don't, I don't want to get too, too off topic here, but have you played the new one? <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, my brother just texted me because um, he's maybe sharing the account that has the FUT uh, stuff mm -hmm. on there from back then. And I created also a new one in the meantime. And he's just, yeah, just sending you some money because I bought FIFA. And I said, okay. <laughs> so he has uh, access to the account. and just But I haven't played myself. Uh, uh -huh. I'm way more right now into Gran Turismo and into God of War in hopefully one one week exactly. No, two weeks. Exactly two weeks. Yeah. And Days are counting go. down for you. <laughs> Damn, this game, it's amazing. I'm already, mm -hmm. I'm buying a new TV this this week. So just telling you how much hey, You were preparing for this thing. You're, gonna, <laughs> you're just going to like, you should just block off a few days and be like, all right, it's got to work. Got to work a week. <laughs> That's cool. Well, That's nice. cool. I appreciate that. Um, and then there's also the uh, the regulatory stuff you mentioned, which I I will have, I have faith that we will get through. I, I've become, I will say I have definitely realize firsthand more and more i i mean i did in the past like with bitcoin but i think now more than ever especially i have, I have like a lot of interest in economics and, and macro and i i knew crypto fit into this but i think bitcoin has specifically really found it's 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 niche right here with like i, I don't i think satoshi back in the day he the chancellor on the brink of bailout was the genesis block um was the message in the genesis block i think today he'd have a tough time <laughs> figuring out which headline to put in the genesis block uh which is crazy but like in the whole regulatory space and unfortunately i just see too many people who are like so so hawkish on on pushing things like cbdc's when really a lot of these countries don't need it when you really just realize it's a privacy it's a privacy uh play but it's a little scary <clears throat> but at the same time i am an optimist that in the end we, we will potentially figure something out so we'll see where that ends up but yeah it, it's it's crazy out there it is a crazy time out there in just the broader world For, and i think you being uh citizen in a certain country can i do people know where you oh, are yeah, yeah i'm in the us yeah, yeah. <laughs> um talking to uh some of uh, the legal people in the space um they're very bearish unfortunately of what how the us is approaching right now stuff and it seems that the eu surprisingly enough is uh, on good track with stuff like mika and all of this even if we of course in the first kind of glance always say all oh, the hack and they're trying to uh, put so much restrictions onto this no we need first of all some regulation and it's totally fine mm -hmm. uh, right if it's reasonable and i think the eu is going into the right direction the us unfortunately not so that a lot of founders and teams even need to move out which is truly a problem because i think uh, the us usually is the digital hub for the world still right and innovation and all of the, this kind of stuff Let's see. I'm also a big Bitcoin fan. That's what got me into this um, understanding that it's the first true decentralized currency, not under control of a of a country, of a government. Um, right now, the U.S. and we see it with the strengths of the U.S. dollar is pushing forward the world economy in some certain way or not. Right. Countries maybe survive or not survive. And um, it's crazy that one country has the global world reserve currency. This should be kind of an independent currency. Hey, by surprise, since a few years, we have one, which is even acknowledged, I think, right now worldwide. So that's where Bitcoin starts to shine. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because I think U.S. dollar is like 25% of all global issued currency. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, something like 75% of trade is done in USD and valued in USD, which is obviously a terrible thing at this current point in time when you see you know a lot of currencies globally struggling to keep up with the U.S. as we continue to raise rates and like... Man, it, once again, like it's it's just I I really think that there be some some golden Genesis Genesis block headlines out there. Right? There are some golden ones out there right now, and it's it's a little it's a little uh, iffy out there. But once again, I'm an optimist. We'll see what happens. But uh, usually, all roads lead to money printer going burr. Which <laughs> take take that one with with how it is, and 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 you know draw the conclusion to the people listening about what what happens when that happens. But anyways, um, yeah, just moving into some uh, the some final topics here. I guess uh, just quickly, anything like I don't know if you want to just quickly go over some of the stuff that you're doing with DocuZone, um, some of the validators you're on, some of the some of the <laughs> communities that you're involved with there. Just what validators can people look at? What what's like the uh, the big value prop behind that? I know you're running for. <laughs> Jira Senate, I think, too. You're, you're running to be a, a public official. You want to just quickly uh, give the recap of that? <laughs> I know there's some drama uh, there as well. <laughs> oh, there's always drama. There's That's always why drama. all of this is so much uh, fun. 
uh, in the end. And yeah, thank <laughs> you for putting me here on the spotlight and uh, kind of our effort there. So yeah, a few months back, I, when I decided also to do this basically full time and trying to, let's say, be a Web3 sovereign individual, I said uh, the validator stuff could be one of the big pieces uh, to help to finance my content because I don't want to have ads if not needed at all. And my channel is running ad free. I don't want it to do a Patreon. I don't want it to do paid content, right? And say something that I don't believe in. So what other way is there? And I think the validator game is amazing because it aligned incentives with everybody who watches my content. There is not a need to validate with us, but if somebody likes our work and you anyway stake, why not staking with us and we just take a little bit of the fee? And at the same time, that's the goal. We hopefully help to decentralize all the different sets because let's be honest right now, all the sets are still dominated by let's say big funds, which is totally fine, or big whales, which can allocate to certain parties. And I mean, in the meantime, we also got now in contact with some people that have bigger funds allocated with us. So big shout out, first of all, to every delegator, but of course, specifically the ones that hold us in the set, because that was one learning for us. Damn, it's difficult to get mm -hmm. into sets. Uh, there's a lot of money you need. There's a lot of support you need. So I appreciate everybody who supports us. So that's why I decided to run the validators. And I'm truly proud um, because I found a great partner, which is Die Capital. They are the guys running Blockpit in Austria. So a crypto tax software, which is getting more and more traction. Uh, and um, I found them because of our German Telegram chat that we had about the Luna group back then. Uh, it's called Lunatica in German. And uh, I said, yeah, let's do it because I don't want to do any whitelisting. I don't want to run on Bison trades. I truly want to have control over the infrastructure, I want to contribute. We want to, we should be bare metal. We should be not in a data center where everybody else is, which we all achieved in the meantime. And yeah, if somebody wants to maybe delegate to us or find more information, uh, you can go on dyke.capital slash danko underscore zone, or also go on my Twitter there you find all the information. And we are right now on Terra one and two still, of course, um, we are on the Cosmos Hub, which I think is cool, on Osmosis, Juno, Secret, Fmos. Uh, what else wow. do we have? Persistence, Injective. I think those are the ten that we are right now live. If I missed anything, so Kujira. Yeah, right, I was going to say. Yeah, don't forget about that one. And the Senate. Yeah, let's see. I'm a big fan of what they are trying to do to find new ways because there is a lot of work that goes into the governance piece as a validator, mm -hmm. right? And we're trying our best to keep up with our small team. As said, we are right now in Austria, all bare metal, a uh, new data center, independent from any kind of problems that you have like in Hetzner in Germany, where they said it's not allowed to run here blockchain. So they know that we're running uh, different validators. We are CO2 neutral. We're also proud of that. And we're trying to truly have good infrastructure and help the different chains. So let's see. Very cool. And people should, I'll, I'll have this all linked in the, in the description too. So people who want to, or interested, go check it out. Like, you know, I'm not going to tell them where to delegate, but like, you know, just go check them out. Cause yeah. again, you, you guys do like, you do some awesome work out there and I think a lot of people appreciate it. So it's always good to support that. And then if you're also in Kujira, uh, and you're, and you're involved, go, go join those discussions. I think it's incredibly, I'm a governance nerd. So like go join those discussions. I think it's incredibly important to be thinking about these things and, and seeing how these power dynamics go at play, how validators are, you know, how they, how they, how are they representative in broader governance systems and like, you know, what's the best way forward? And it's, it's the age old human question. What's the best way to organize? But I do think a step, a step in the in the Senate direction is, is a good model for a lot of, uh, chains to be taking. Cause I think, I think it helps, you know, narrow, narrow the amount of voices that you get out there and you can, you can then get a team to go and shift and actually, you know, get some, get some cool things done too, which I think is awesome. But, um, once again, join that discussion if you're into governance or whatever, because I think it's important. And um, yeah, it, it's a really cool thing what the Coochie guys are doing. And I love how they are willing to experiment and, and see what see what works and what doesn't work sort of type of thing. Um, we're going to move into our final question here for you, Donku. And as with every guest I have, it is fun fact time where I ask you a random question out of my hat of whatever I come up with on the spot. Um, <laughs> and the fun fact question I have for you this week is simply, do you collect anything? And it, it can't be digital. We, we've kind of got over the digital stuff. So do you have any like physical collections? I don't know what, what it might be, but do you collect anything of, uh, of interest? Uh, at the moment, uh, let me think about, do I collect anything at the moment? I wouldn't say that besides, I mean, you have shown that one earlier, right? Mm -hmm. That I even printed my NFTs out. 
Um, if I would uh, go away for a second, I could still show you my old Pokemon cards that I still have with me. That counts. I will never get rid of. I still have a Series 1 Charizard, but in German, so it's nothing worse. <laughs> if not, it would be uh, truly uh, amazing. And let me think about, do I collect anything else actively? No, not not that I know, uh, unfortunately, uh, at the moment. Uh, as I said, on the other side, I'm a big movie fan, mm-hmm. but I'm not collecting them let's say in in a hardware form at the moment i'm also a big anime fan so i'm collecting them in terms of watching all those big series which i'm finally now getting to a point where i would say i have an understanding of the biggest one uh but unfortunately there's nothing cool that i can tell you that i'm literally collecting right now i'm looking around <sighs> no not really well, the not Pokemon really. cards but... count. Those count. I mean, because that, that's like, yeah. even if it's a past collection hobby, like, it still counts. So that's cool. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people, I mean, don't really know my background before, don't even know that I'm, I think, Spanish. Uh, that one I just got from uh, good friends. They visit me once a year uh, from my hometown, and we are all big sports fans. I mean, you even see Fernando Alonso um, mm-hmm. up there, right? And they just brought me this one uh, this year. Every year they bring me a collectible. This year was Fernando Alonso, so I just grabbed it because it's standing here <laughs> next that's, to a few others. That's F one, right? I don't want to mix up. <laughs> yeah. My... Okay, cool. Because exactly. I, I actually, I, I recently <laughs> spoke. I recently spoke to a, a friend of mine who gave me the whole rundown of the F one scene because I've been interested in it. Nice. It's crazy, man. That's a it's a really interesting sport that's they're building there, and it's really taken off in popularity, which I also think is very cool. Uh, it's gotten way bigger here in the U.S., especially. I know it was already huge yeah. in Europe, but yeah. It was just this weekend, the U.S. Uh, Grand Prix in Austin, right? Uh, which was very exciting. So, yeah, it's int- I mean, because uh, a U.S. company bought it. So now they're pushing it in the U.S., which makes sense because the market wasn't big there. Mm-hmm. And it's getting way more professional. So cool stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover because, I mean, NASCAR is very big in some regions in the U.S. And I think I think F1 is just a natural crossover. And I appreciate F1 more of like a sports. I don't know. Like, it's, it's cool to see, like, engineering and all the ingenuity and, and, and novelty that comes into building these souped-up machines. It's, it's really an awesome, awesome thing and, like, a, a cool um, human technical feat, which is also uh, highly appreciated. But uh, before we wrap up here, where should people go to follow you, Donku? What's the, the best social media platform people to get on? Um, you know, what, where, should, where should I send listeners, basically? Yeah, big thank you again for giving me the chance to even share this. So on Twitter, it's Danku underscore R, where you can find me. On YouTube, it's Danku underscore R. On Telegram, it's Danku underscore R. So on Discord, it is, it's always the same. I was lucky to have such a weird name that it was <laughs> everywhere for free. Um, if people want to um, delegate to us and have some questions, there is a specific Telegram channel where everybody can go in. I think we have almost 200 people there, which is crazy in the meantime. And I said, everything around the validator, you can find on dyke.capital slash Danku underscore zone. We have also the webpage there and the Telegram group is there. So if you want further information, that's the way to go. And I said, people can approach me on telegram nobody does as kind of for nobody i don't know why you get your privacy on telegram but it's the same name <laughs> be careful there people start approaching you on telegram before you know you're gonna have thousands of messages on telegram nah, we're in a bear market sir <laughs> yeah, i'll be fine there you go <laughs> all right everyone uh definitely check those out all the links will be in the show notes but donkey thank you so much for your time today i really enjoyed this conversation and you know i think this is the wrap-up of my my round table chats with the uh the terror influencers but it was a great great time to speak with all you guys and like really appreciate your insights today so yeah thank you again